Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of That Dan Band Show is brought to you by the Captain U Recruiting Platform, powered by Stack Sports. Captain U is breaking into the band space to offer support to high school students who are looking to perform in band at the collegiate level. With over 10 years in the recruiting industry and over 3 million student profiles created over the years, Captain U has long been a leader in athlete advocacy and support. Now, it's time to provide that same support to band performers. Captain U creates a direct line of communication between musicians and college band directors. With the LinkedIn style profile, performers can put their best foot forward with searchable criteria like their position, academic info and test scores, audition videos, director recommendations, and potential majors. Performers can directly message college directors to learn about scholarship opportunities, a university's academic strengths, and ultimately place themselves at the right institution. If you are a high school band student looking to perform at the next level, go to CaptainU.com and create a free profile today. It takes less than five minutes and will save you time and money. And for a limited time, we are offering performers 50% off an upgraded profile by using the promo code TDBS21. That's right. 50% off an upgraded profile on CaptainU.com by using the code TDBS21 at checkout. Sign up on Captain U, gain exposure, and get recruited. Powered by Stack Sports. Hi, everybody. What's up? It's been a little while. I feel like it's uh, been a couple of weeks since I recorded my last one. Uh, and we are back in here. And you know what? This is another just super solid episode. I'm so excited for this guest. I'm a big fan of this guest. Um, I feel like I... Just know him through working with uh, Jeff Bickford at, at 7th Regiment and just his writing style and his playing style. And I almost like came to love um, the groups that this person has like worked with and written for, um, you know, kind of as I was coming up and, and coming into my own as a, as a player and just sort of understanding the teams that I was enjoying and looking at. So um, this person is also a very well-renowned and respected judge um, for Winter Garden International Percussion. And I'm super excited just to pick his brain about how he, he came to be in that space as well. So uh, let me welcome Omar, Omar Carmonades. Omar, what is up? How are we doing? I'm doing all right, man. Thank you for having me, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, likewise, a big fan of all the work you've been doing too, you know, just keeping up on everything going on in the summers and the winters. Um, and yeah, it's just a pleasure to be here and chat about whatever it is we're going to chat about and see where the conversation <laughs> takes us. <laughs> Fantastic. So what's it been like just the last, I mean, it, not even a couple months at this point, but 
last couple of years. You know, we haven't had WGI since 2019. Um, it feels like it's been kind of forever. I mean, it's super weird and it's very amorphous how my memory feels like just over the last two years. So from your perspective and as someone that's inside the organization um, and just keeping up with it, like how has it felt um, and how does it feel kind of right now as the season is about to jump off for indoor drumline? Yeah, we're... Um it feels a lot of different things depending on the way I think about it. <laughs> right. So obviously, you know, having, not having had many life performances to speak of, if any has um, definitely thrown the, you know, the organization and all the performing organizations as well, just sort of into this like purgatory <laughs> of like, what are we doing? You know, when are we doing it? Do we meet on Saturday or not? You know um, the other thing too, is I started serving on the advisory board, the year that COVID came in. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, that season we were like, okay, the, we were looking at classification videos. So I was really getting involved on a different level with the organization. And then that um, season, you know, got cut short. And so I was also there through all the talking of like, okay, we're going to rework our adjudication system for a virtual system. Is this, this is the 2020 season that you're referring to? Yeah. Right. So spring 2020. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then after that season, you know, we had to have conversations about how we're going to rework into our virtual season for the net for spring of 2021. Yes. Right. Um, so, you know, getting to be a part of that was, uh, you know, I, obviously we all wish we didn't have to do that, but it was very interesting to have the conversations about working through that and creating a system to still allow for performances to happen in some way in the spring of 2021. You know, the other thing too is when I think about just judging shows, like in this very strange way, I was more busy in 2021 mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I have a full-time job as teaching as a professor of percussion at Furman University yep. here in South Carolina. So I would do that and then I would get home and because the shows were virtual, I could do like two or three in a night. So I would mm. judge 40 shows on a Friday and 60 more on a Saturday, just sitting in okay. my room giving commentary. <laughs> yeah. So it was still incredibly busy judging. But in my living room, you know, or in my in my work in my office. Um, so in a lot of ways, twenty twenty one was a little more busy. I, it felt like, yes, um, from from a, just how many performances I saw, kind of a standpoint. You know, that's, um, that's super interesting. Yes, uh, yeah. I I wonder too, like when you bring bring up the virtual judging thing. I, I did a little bit of it, but you know, George Mason created a product. I don't think we could compete with it because mm -hmm. of. There were certain things about like the single, sh I think you had to have a single shoot, right? It's like a yep. live thing. And, you know, we were in a place where like it logistically, we couldn't like rehearse. We were, we were in an area that had, you know, stricter requirements or what have you. Um, so we kind of went in such a super different direction with, with doing kind of like this music video style thing. It was done fully remote. It was much more on the post-production side than it was on like the rehearsing and cleaning side. Um, and the thought was, for video, like, and this is something I, I have thought of and, and I think I've spoken about before on here is just indoor drumline through video is, is funky. It's really, <laughs> it's not the same live. So we kind of were like, we want to make it so you can hear everything. So, so I wonder, like, was it, was it a awakening? Did you learn something from just kind of perceiving it through a video for so long? Cause I feel like watching those videos, it's like, okay, I'm looking at this through a different lens because there's certain, nuances and details and the level of clarity even at times you're like i'm not sure how deep i can like read or perceive that yeah um 
you know, I, I'll probably joke about this at some point, but I, I know I probably have a reputation for just like word vomiting on my tapes and just talking really fast and talking a lot. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I, it, that's, that's a, that's a means of like engaging with the performers, right. Through, through a, a tape, through, through a recording, just showing that I'm there for them and that I understand what they're doing and what the designers are trying to do mm-hmm. in the virtual environment. It definitely hit differently because there are things that you, you need the air vibrating your skull <laughs> and you need the air <laughs> vibrating your skin a little bit to like get those woo kind of reactions, you know, those goosebump yeah. reactions. So I almost had to channel like what I thought that felt like live when I, you know, and especially in, in like mm. the, the more analysis captions, like music and visual, you know, um, where we're trying to also say what was clean and what wasn't <laughs> there, were, you know, I, I'm sure there was a lot I missed, you know, but it's just because it, if somebody was filming from a, an old iPhone that maybe didn't have as good a mic as another one, like those comparisons got really hard, you know, but we just did our best. We did our best. And, uh, and at all times, it was really just a pleasure to see young people making music you know, just to, just to be there and see work being done and see love being given, um, mm. towards something that, that was more important to me than the actual numbers. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting experience, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It was, I, I actually, it resonated with me when you were talking about being busier because putting together the video project, we had to learn how to articulate like the types of shots we wanted to take with the camera we had light schemes. We were my uh my front ensemble ranger. I think you actually know Andrew Montero. I think he's at Cats yes. for mm-hmm. a year Monty, with yeah. you there. Um, he he's a, a a brilliant person, and he he just learned how to use Final Cut Pro, and he just edited <laughs> the video himself because ultimately the translation of the music to the video medium was best served through him as the sound designer, rather mm-hmm. through rather than through like a video uh, editor. And I think there's something to that as well just how you you're looking at it cohesively um but i, I actually it's fun it's also funny you, you bring up uh word vomiting because i i don't i've never heard anyone say that about you but for the record it's what i, I think know. about myself to be honest yeah, like, I, gonna, I talk a lot of these things <laughs> i was gonna say but but i think and i was talking to pete about this before which was just like when i think about your tapes what i go to immediately is like you see things in a first read that well i personally would never see because i don't have a percussion background other than like being a snare drummer, like, you know, drum core meathead. I don't have like this rich background with music. So there's certain parts of the musical language that for me just don't, they don't, I can't uh, be affected by the certain technical level of things. And I think you are able to look at something and you're like, it's, it's difficult because of this. And it like works with the music or doesn't because of this. And I, I guess I'm, just, you know, as someone who is also like loves judging, like, how did you get to this place where you're able to look at something kind of on a first read, if you ask me, and kind of see what's going on on a like very granular percussive level? Um, yeah. So the, the interesting thing about, well, I, I, there's two sides of that. Number one, I was fortunate enough in my music education um, through you know, high school, yeah, through high school and definitely through my undergraduate degrees and then my graduate degrees as well to have professors and th- that, that pushed me to not just be a drum corps person, you know, in high school, that was all I wanted to do. I just wanted to be a mm-hmm. tenor player, um, a battery kid and just, you know, and this was 1990, 
five was my freshman year of high school. So we're talking late nineties, um, which was it. I was listening to your podcast with Tom Unks, you know, and mm-hmm. you were, you were talking about all the nineties. I'm like, yes, these are like my shows. These are like, this is like <laughs> the era, you know, like when I go back and think nostalgically about drum course, about the great shows, it's all like mid nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. And, um, so that's what I wanted to do. But like at that time, it's different now. Like you couldn't really, there weren't as many like percussion specialist positions, right. Where you could just make a living teaching just percussion out of school. Mm -hmm. Um, so my college experience, I had a Jeff Moore, who's my college professor at university of central Florida. He was the captain for the Madison scouts in the mid nineties and early nineties. And he really pushed me to get my concert side up to snuff so much snow that so much so that it's like, that's more where my head goes these days, uh, Mm -hmm. the rudimental stuff. But he set me on that path to really appreciate music for music, regardless of whether it's a rudimental thing or a concert thing. So I've always looked at those two sides, not even as two sides, it's just all music, right? So I've never had that delineation between like the battery and the front or between Mm -hmm. pitched and unpitched or between whatever. Like it's, you know, even though I was a tenor player in drum corps, I was always thinking kind of holistically in that regard, you know? So that definitely set me up, I think, to, to be able to, to, appreciate the whole ensemble on a, on a judge tape quickly. Um, but the, the other thing I'll say is when you judge, especially once I got on the WGI roster, which I think was like 2013, maybe 2012, mm-hmm. um, you judge a lot in a season, like a lot, a lot. So you get a lot of practice, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you have some tapes. Sometimes you just want back. You're like, Ooh, I don't know. Like yeah. you feel good about your number, but you still, you don't feel good about what you said and how you recognized what was coming in your ears to the students or to the staff. Sure. Um, and I, in fact, I counted in 2019, the last like full season, I just 420 performances. Um, it's a lot. And so, so your ear gets, if, if you treat it as such, if you treat it as ear training, your ear gets attuned to things very fast, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you learn, uh, you know, you learn what Lydian sounds like if you didn't before, once you know what to call it, once you know a sound and you know how to analyze it and what it is, and you put those two together, you recognize that sound like every time, mm-hmm. you know what certain chord structures are, you know what certain rudiments are, We're, even if you're unfamiliar with that side of the coin, a front ensemble, the front ensemble or the battery side. And if you look at it that way, you know, I know, I just feel like I got a lot of practice, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, early on. So, and I feel like I only get better the more I judge. I feel like, you know, I learn a few tricks and getting to see everything from programs that are just starting to, you know, programs that have won it 18 times, yep. you know, I learned something from every single one of those performances. So I feel like it, and when I judge, I feel like it's, I'm, I'm helping the, the performer and the staff, but I also feel like I'm getting help too. Like it's sharpening my ear. It's sharpening my, it's sharpening my toolkit every time I judge a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. And I think something that that matters in that that level of judging, especially let's say at the independent world level, is that you are sharpening your battle axe. And I feel like you are one of those people. And it, and I think it's it's tough. Like there's not necessarily space for everyone, but you're one of these people who has been super engaged with judging at that high level, but also still have your hands in designing. I mean, you're a professor of percussion, so you're teaching every day. And I just wonder, like, is there a, a prereq for judging at that level that you're staying engaged actively with a program? Or is it just like you have done something and now you move on to be a judge? Because how these shows are being constructed these days and how 
shows used to be designed maybe like 10 years ago, it's not even close to the same, right? So, uh, and and this might be like a question about like, I guess, you know, not not so much, I guess, what WGI expects, but like just culturally, I feel like that's really important is that you're like, I know how to clean a triplet roll so I can appreciate what is happening right here and how it's happening. So I don't know if that's a question or I'm just like kind of <laughs> rambling and complaining. Well, I, I mean, I, I expect that of myself, right? I would, I would never want to, I try to not say anything on a tape that I know that I really, really am sure that I understand. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to be sure I really understand what I'm saying and that I can walk the walk if, if that was my line, right? right? If that was my group. Um, and I kind of look at it that way. Like I have six minutes, I have a six minute sectional with this group, <laughs> you know? And so when I'm talking on a tape, that's what's just going on in my head in a rehearsal. I just have the luxury of being right. able to talk while y'all are playing, you know, uh, and when I'm judging. So I, I, I try to think of it that way. And, um, and you're right. I do teach all the, I mean, I, you know, I, I teach 17, 18 lessons a week for classes. Like I'm, I'm teaching a lot. And the beauty about at teaching at the university level is there's also, um, expectation that you're performing and you're out there. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, and that you're doing professional activity on, on uh, outside of the university. So, um, that it's all, that's just kind of in my DNA, you know, and I, I try to bring that when I'm judging, like, I, I want to make sure I'm walking the walk, um, when I judge too, you know? Yeah. I, I like that. And I, you know, I, I've talked about kind of, and thought about just the types of individuals that judge. I feel like what you're talking about is like, you have this very holistic approach to percussion and education that allows you to come at it with this certain filter and I've always really enjoyed your tapes. I've always felt like, wow, like you're just saying things, um, especially with the front ensemble. I'm like, I would never, ever know that. You know what I mean? And I, I, in programs that I teach and I can stand there and be like, like cleaning things and hearing things and ensemble timing, but there's certain like technical aspects that I just like are not, they're not part of what I do. I'm more on, on the visual side of things. And I wonder for percussion, how can we dip into these areas that give people um, specific subjective corners like yours, but that are almost further than percussion. So like when I I'm seeing like Michael Gaines be on the percussion roster these days, I'm like, yeah, see like that's someone who is not going to get hung up in one area. That's like snare drumming, you know, or not going to get hung up in a single area. And it's like, but how far can we go with that? Like, can we, it could, just because you know it's it's out like i've been watching like cheer on netflix or whatever yeah, you know right. I, I don't too. know if you yeah. <laughs> my daughter's a dancer so yeah we we watch we watch those kinds of things so one i watched the second season i saw the first one already and then we had a rehearsal this weekend and i just found myself like you know feeling like not inspired by it but the things i was focused on were like i i had definitely gotten affected by what they do and i was like what if we had someone who was like high level cheer judge come in and look at what we do? Um, what if we had someone who was a football coach? I know that's an insane example. Come in and, and judge us. Obviously the way like our, I think the sub captions work in the language and the sheets is very, very high or like, yeah, like high level technical. You need to really understand activity, but I'm like super interested. Like we throw a judge into our activity or into color guard or into drum corps. That's just sort of, um, more distanced from it, like what would the outcome be? So I don't know. Have you all ever talked about that? Like, what are the conversations like in there with with that kind of thing? 
Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for the in, entire organization, but of course, I think, yeah. Um, but I think, I think you see that a little bit these days. I don't know, I don't remember when it started, but they're starting to do overview commentaries at shows, right? Um, I know mm-hmm. circuits have been doing them for a while, but WGI or regionals is starting to bring in, um, you know, someone from a program that's outside of that region to come in and just no numbers. And just be granted. That's still an expert. That's still a that's still a person in the system, right? That's still sure. a WGI. Like if we brought you in to do the Hattiesburg Regional or something. You know, you can give an over overview. No worries about numbers. You don't. You only have to know what the number system means and what every number means. You know, you just come in and give your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely like a space for that, and I think that's what that is. But the other side of it too is, um, I think that the our sometimes our most valuable resource um, in a show. And I, it's hard on an analysis caption like music, which is what I mostly judge, but yeah. it's kind of the audience because that is, that, those are those people that are distanced and mm. those are the, those are, that's, that's that, um, that heat that's given off in a performance. Cause I'm sitting, yes. you know, as a music judge, we're sitting in the audience, right? So like I can feel the energy of the audience. Um, and that's, that's an important thing that doesn't exist in a VDL template, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's that, or, or in a logic file. So, you know, yeah, would it be great to have outside commentary? I, I think so. Um, you know, our, our, the WGI activity in particular is pretty niche. They just have someone sit, like, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. it would be totally weird, you know, to bring in, like, Tom Brady <laughs> to come in and just be like, uh, yeah, that, be you know. Yeah. Uh, yes, it would. Um, but I think you get it if, if, if you're willing to, if you're willing to tune into, like, the energy of the room, you kind of get that feedback a little bit just sitting in the audience. You yes. Know, how do, how does grandma that's been there, uh, you know, that's only going to be there for 30 minutes to see like the group before their kid, their group, and maybe one after, <laughs> you know, or yes. the dad that's been there all morning. That was the prop dad or the people are just there to watch, you know, um, I've, I always find the audience very, I mean, I, I, you know, it's weird. I can't take it too much into account in an analysis caption, but I can, when I'm talking about the, the effectiveness of the composition, right. And like, oh, listen to that. You hear how much the audience is behind you? You got to capitalize on that. You know, I, mm. I, and sometimes I find that really helps a group just to recognize the, the human element of the, of, the, of the design process, you know, of, of the performance process is that, you know, just listen to how much applause you get. You know, do you want 16 beats of pause between that little soft ending when nobody applauds? Maybe it should just be two, um, you know, or you're getting a standing O here every single time. Maybe you should lengthen that, you know, to keep the energy in the room up. Um, those are things I, th- I find that a great groups are great at. And then I love helping, you know, developing groups through too as well. Super interesting. Cause that's such a, such a broad thing. And I, I really try to, especially, and I'm, I'm sure that you kind of put yourself there too, but when you're on the design side of that, that I try to situate myself like that immediately. Like mm-hmm. I, because, you know, I, I played snare drum, you know, DCI and WGI. So like, we are just certain people like i don't know how else to say it but like if you're a snare drummer you're a snare drummer and we're all the same we're all like really similar whatever <laughs> I, i'm not like you know saying we are but we are um and i'm sure with quads you could probably list oh, yeah. some you know personality traits that are mm-hmm. common to people who can survive a full summer of tour with quads on their body like it takes a a profile of someone but um more so like especially you know getting distance from marching and i mean i've been teaching and designing so much longer than i ever marched which is such an odd thing now because i'm always trying to think of essentially how the design is serving the student 
and the way they can communicate the design through the choices that I'm making and then how the design can impact the audience um, and giving the audience space to understand what's going on. Um, and it's very tough because some of the best things that drum lines do are just super crazy and you only can get it if you get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think similarly too, there's like, you know, the audience will react to something that is not clean versus an analysis caption. You're like, like you just said, I actually think, I think is brilliant. It's like, Hey, do you hear the audience like understands the framing of this idea? But I hear the one person that is overbalancing this triple roll. And for me as a listener, like I never going to react to dirt. So it's like the, the cleanliness is so important to how things come across. Like, I feel like that is its own, its own thing over here is just like, I I don't know. I was, I'm always, I'm just constantly trying to think about this. Like if you listen to, and actually you can refute this as a more uh, intellectual musician than I am. But if I listen to an album and they're like poo-pooing and ticking and they, they're not tight, like it just not, it, it would never, I would never listen to that. Um, or like when you go and you, I remember going to a concert or it was my dad went to a concert and he was a musician and he told me, I think it was like some huge band at the time. I'm sorry. I can't remember right now. But it was just like, all I remember about this is that the guitar player is out of tune. You know, all mm-hmm. he could tell me about it. I don't even remember who the band was. Um, so there's this thing too, where it's like the, the, I think playing clean and demonstrating something with clarity and transparency it has to be like the front most thing you do and then the design may kind of come through that i'm starting to almost like feel that way more i don't know if that if that resonates with you or how you feel about that yeah um you know it's interesting because in the in the competitive activity so dci wgi boa you know um virtuosity is an element that in and of itself creates effect right it's that's what people like when you run around at one at 280 beats a minute and you play something really cool that's amazing right that's that's like virtuosity is an element of it i think it just depends on the music you know like um i don't know i've I've come to a place now and i i I think it's because as i get older i'm I'm, I'm, you know my my life's taking me to different piece areas of the music world but like sure um you know when i listen to like some recordings i've made early on where I was so picky about it being perfect, you know, like my, my, my first solo CD, I'm not pitching anything. I'm just saying like my, my, I remember this experience of like not being willing to let a recording, a take go until it was perfect. Like, nope, again, no, again. And, you know, um, and then later on, as I've gotten older or done more recordings or gotten, or when I'm not in a competitive thinking competitively about things, mm-hmm. um, I almost look for those imperfections not not something as egregious as like being a half step out of tune, you know what I mean? But like something that makes it sound a little more human, you know. I, th- yes. I think that's it. You know, th- th- there's a human element to it. You can have that with excellence as well. I'm not saying those are mutually exclusive. Um, I can think of, I can you know I can think of performances that I've been in the judges' seat where the performers are just so engaging that I almost put aside the analysis for a second. And then I can go, I can say that on the tape, like, wow, guys, you took me on this emotional journey. You really had me. Um, and I'll even say like, I heard this little thing, but like, it almost doesn't matter, <laughs> right. you know, because you just delivered it with so much, um, conviction, right. you know, 
Um, so I don't know. I, I, I kind of go both ways on it. I, I, you know, but again, it's hard on an analysis because we have to, we have to acknowledge those things. Something was clean or it wasn't, or right. something was just so clean that that got me out of my seat. Um, but maybe grandma over here didn't, didn't, <laughs> you know, or the, or sister over here didn't. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of hovering back and forth between like, do I value virtuosity or not? I don't know. Um, depends on the style of music, I suppose. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, I think electronic music is, is one thing and jazz is something else. Yeah. And like mm-hmm. you said, there is, there's a place for width and there's a place mm-hmm. for like a human touch on music. Um, and it's not, it's not wrong. I actually think to pull that off and what we do is, is so hard because mm-hmm. then the nuts and bolts of where we come from is uniformity. Mm-hmm. Um, Beyond musicianship, actually, like if you think about traditional like drumming, I mean, I, I'd say maybe Swiss drumming and, and uh, kind of fife and drum like that is highly musical. Um, mm-hmm. But that early drum core thing on Mylar, like I would don't think I think it was more about um, the athleticism and the chops and the uniformity of it. And I feel like we have grown into something totally different, like the artistry of it is so high level now. And we're like figuring out like how far can I go artistically that I can still be competitive, but have a little bit of dirt. And like, it, you know, I'm, this is not a, a shit talk at all. Cause Mike Jackson was, you know, my first guest on here and he was saying, I design things that can't be cleaned. And he's like, everyone's <laughs> mad at me at broken city because what I write just can't be cleaned. Like the things has them to do with meters and tempo and their environmental demands is like beyond what drum lines have ever gotten fully perfect. So it's interesting because they do what they do. And then there's a group like pulse that is unbelievably polished. And you're like, you both win. I don't know. You're both yeah. great. It's like, and, what? I, I tell you that, that's, that's <laughs> the hardest thing at the, at, when you're judging PIW, man, you know, is like, uh, you know, the, great. These 18 groups are all amazing. So I just put down what I think. And maybe the other three judges or, at, you know, at, at a, at a championship, the other seven judges. Yeah. Um, they'll say what they think and we'll just let the system do the work to determine the winner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like we'll let the numbers do what they do. All I can do is put forward my, my best genuine self in that eight minutes I have with you. Um, and, and the system will do what it does with the other, with all eight of our opinions combined. I know people like, I know it, I, I can imagine at least that it must drive designers and students crazy when you see across a recap and it's like 11, two, three, no, it's not. <laughs> you no, know? it's not. That's real. That shows you the judging is authentic. I was actually going to literally follow up and just say yeah. like, when you look across the recap, that's what you should really see other than gr- these groups that obviously dominate. But it's so in, in D- WGI, it's so unusual that a group would just be ones across the board. Like or groups sevens have, or nines, <laughs> you right. know? Yeah, it, it's it's. And that is, I welcome that. And that is the same conversation about DCI is like the subcat, like those two subcaptions should and can be different. Like if we are saying that we can evaluate someone's composition and someone's achievement of that composition, sort of somewhat segmented, I welcome that. I think that's, and when I judge, I'm like, what you are trying to do and the composition of it is fantastic and it's dirty as hell. You're not achieving it. (laughs) And you, you know, you're supposed to rank those, like someone can have better comp than someone else's achievement or what have you. Like that is 
baked into the system. And I actually think with DCI, and I want to ask you about this because I know you, um, you know, have done a ton of work in DCI. It's just like, I feel like we're very, you know, it's just like one number, it's one caption. I don't, I don't feel that way with DCI as much. And it might just be the medium. Like it might literally just be the drum judge has been on the field up in our face, super close up. And it's like, it's one experience. I don't know exactly why. And, and I, you know, I, I'm just trying to always ask these questions, as you said, so I can better the activity because, um, cause I don't know if everyone's asking these questions about the way that we think through what's on paper and how that's coming across in our reads or in the numbers. Yeah. I- this is interesting. You know, I don't, I don't judge for DCI. Never have. Not yet. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I, I can't, but, but a lot those judges are all, they're all friends. Right. So I, I'm not trying to represent them necessarily when I say this, but speaking from the WGI experience of judging, we sure. have the benefit of having a week off between every show and mm-hmm. probably most likely flying to a different, con- different part of the country every weekend. So mm-hmm. I may see Mason on February 9th, and then I may not see you till April. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest challenge of drum corps, if you ask me, as a, when I, if I put myself in a DCI judge's shoes, is when I see a, a group three nights in a row in, on the cornfield tour or the swamp tour <laughs> through Louisiana, you know, yeah. or the Texas tour, and you just get stuck with the same group and you see them four nights in a row. Yep. Um, it's a challenge to have, have your numbers be, and your commentary too, but your numbers, because that's what everyone likes to complain about, right? Uh, um, uh, be relative to that night, to be relative to all the other groups. And because you're judging multiple nights in a row, I don't know, but I would feel pressure and I would try to not let it get to me, but I would feel pressure to also have it relate to my number the night before. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if my commentary yeah. on that tape came out, and I, I hit stop and I'm like, man, I was like more negative on that group today than I was yesterday. But my numbers maybe skewed up before that group came on and that score ends up higher. I didn't send them the right signal with that number. <laughs> right. And vice versa. So there's this weird pressure that you have to see this group, these groups three nights in a row, four nights in a row sometimes. Um, yeah. That I can imagine is very difficult. <laughs> you know, it's so not- funny though, because you, you've taught and been on the road and mm-hmm. you, along with anyone who has, knows the groups that you teach will be hot and cold every oh, yeah. single night. And yes. <laughs> those reads should change. So that's the, my thing is I want the reads to be different and I want them to be authentic to really how we came across. Cause actually mm-hmm. I've experienced that in a way that was good for us. Like, our our second night uh it was i think it was our second night or it might have been finals in 2018 for crown to be honest man they did not play well mm-hmm. they did not play well and we got third and it was just like oh this is what it feels like to ride the wave you know what i mean like we <laughs> yeah, were yeah. we were riding that wave we're like we and like our quality and the things we were playing like were there but like i thought it was a worse run it was ticky we had drums falling it was just like wild and emotional mm-hmm. and um, it was worse and it was just like the same exact thing. It was just like, this is, I get it and it feels good, but in a way it doesn't like, mm-hmm. it's just one of those weird things. So I welcome the, the erratic changes night to night because this, it's so hard to maintain. It's like, we are different night to night. Yep. And in the end, that's what the critiques road. for, right? And, and, um, to talk those things through and to be like, Hey man, you know, um, I honestly wish as a judging, as a 
staff to judging dialogue community that we were all it's 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 like it's like talking money in the u.s like it's a taboo right like how much am i gonna get paid you know i wish numbers like we could just walk in and be like and i do it i don't mind in my critiques um it cuts it catches some staffs off guard but i'll just talk numbers you know because i because i'm confident in my number and i'm confident in why i gave it now tell me dan now tell me why you felt that was high or low and let's talk about it. So yep. when I see you next time, I, I know. Um, but that's what I felt. It, it's almost like, I wish I could, we could have that conversation before the critique, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, and before you hear the tape, yeah. like I can just catch you <laughs> when you're walking off and be like, Hey Dan, here's what I gave you. Here's why let's talk about a critique an hour from now. You know? Um, why cannot, yeah. I don't understand why we have this whole system that you all work your ass off for to make these, just the decimals all have meaning and like those things all right the value of a tenth and like mm-hmm. it's it's interesting when like i've it, it you know i appreciate completely what you're saying and i've had judges meetings i'm not going to say with whom where we're like hey what's the deal because we were better and cleaner and they're like well you know it's only two tenths down like that could be any night we're like yeah tonight's the night that's mm-hmm. the thing is I watched both shows, what's going on, you know? And it's like the conversation about two tenths gets like weird. It's like, no, when we talk about the value of a tenth, it means literally where you are at. It is like an actual barometer of like, not only the ranking, but like the meaning. It's not just like everyone's equal. It's like, here's how far you are. And this is why. And it's just like, I think normalizing the conversation around what those numbers mean and how we use them would be educational for both sides rather yeah. than being like mm-hmm. hey like and it's i don't want to talk about other teams like yeah just say the names it's fine we know we're competing <laughs> it's like it's all good mm-hmm. no i think there's i this could never happen but i i would love it if it were policy that every four years a judge has to take a year off in design mm. and every i've said that before and, and every but the flip side also has to be reversed every season or something staffs have to judge <laughs> and kids have to judge, you know, put yourself yeah. in our seat. And when you, when you're trying to figure out what does an 85 versus an 85, five versus an 86 mm-hmm. mean when you have 40 groups and it's March and everybody's box four, <laughs> you know, like how do you do that? And how do you, and and not only that, it's also not seated order, right? So like the the winning group could be first, right? So the, your numbers have to have like maximum integrity, right? So like, how do you do that? And then and then how do you also ma- make sure that your commentary matches your number so that there's not a disconnect there, <laughs> right? Um, or that it's the one, other way, I it's the other think... way, the other way around, the other way around. Your yeah. numbers should match, right? You know, there yes, should be, yeah. Of course. I'm not changing yes. my commentary. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, yes, I do. And that, that, that's the one I think to me, I, I could get last place, but if I hear the tapes and it all clicks with what is on the page, that's all I'm looking for from anyone's type of read. Um, I think that's a, the biggest issue any, you know, you could ever do as a judge is be too positive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get tapes from people, like certain people, you know, I can't take the tone of this tape exactly. Um, face value because I know they're always a really positive adjudicator, but then they'll flush us down the toilet. And it's like, mm-hmm. I actually kind of want, I want that, you know, I mean, we're, t- I'm talking independent world. So this is not yeah. really across the board, you know, it's great for 
different classes with younger students are going to be hearing tapes. There's a certain way that you want to deliver that for me. I just want to know what I can do so I can do it. You know what I mean? So I, I appreciate when the tape is like, Hey, like, here's what you left on the table. Um, because I want to know, cause I'm going to go in the next year and I'm going to be armed with that information. Are you looking for a high quality apparel made exclusively for the marching arts? That Dan Band Show is brought to you by Lot Riot Apparel. Lot Riot was founded by a drum corps alumni with a mission to create the premier apparel brand in the marching arts. And he definitely accomplished that goal. There's no other brand out there like Lot Riot. No matter what band event you go to, you will see Lot Riot clothing being worn by members, fans, and instructors alike. It is literally everywhere. Lot Riot is the brand that bonds the marching arts community together. They have a passion for band and have a real stake in their customers and the activity. With Lot Riot, you're part of a greater whole, a group of friends, a community. I love Lot Riot because they draw on a minimalistic streetwear aesthetic and use high quality materials to create cool, comfortable clothing. Their brand fits my personal style super well, which is why I am proud to have Lot Riot as a personal sponsor, as well as a sponsor of this podcast. Lot Riot is currently offering listeners of That Dan Band Show 15% off all purchases on LotRiot.com. Simply go to LotRiot.com and use the code DANBAND, one word, at checkout, and you will receive 15% off everything you buy. But that's not all. Listeners of the podcast use the code DANBAND will also receive an exclusive Lot Riot That Dan Band Show pin and sticker pack for free. So go to LotRiot.com right now to get 15% off your order and a free sticker and pin pack using the code DANBAND at checkout. See you in the lot. One thing that I I have um, suggested before, which is I, I know it's laden with problems, but it's like, what if we just had less groups at finals? Like, I kind of <laughs> think that we, I know it's about money and it's about inclusion and it's about education, but it's like, if you all judged one group every 20 minutes, the everything would open up. Like, like you're saying in terms of sorting and the amount of time you have in the day, it's a volume issue, like almost mm-hmm. entirely. Well, especially at the independent world level, because everybody's great. And you're trying to remember, okay, this group that went on second, I feel like is comparable to this group that went on ninth. Mm. And then you're trying to remember batch seven performances to make those comparisons so that your numbers, go, you know, um, that's hard. You know, do, you know, I don't know. There, there's something that's awesome at the end of a long day of judging, especially championships when you've done 40 groups and you're like, yeah. God dang it. Wow. I did yeah. that. <laughs> you know, yeah, my brain um, and it all worked, but it, it's also tough. Cause yeah, your numbers get crunched and you know, there's space issues. Um, and on the sheet, there's a space, space yep. issues, you know, like you only have so many numbers between 80 and 90, um, or 90 and a hundred. Yep. Um, so I don't know. Um, I can tell you as a judge, you know, it's like running a marathon a little bit. Like I just need to get two more tenths of a mile down the road mm-hmm. and then you do it. You're like, that was great. Two more tenths, two more tenths. And you just, you're just looking past, you're just looking through the next eight minutes. Um, I know it, days can get long, but I've never been like, I don't think, um, per, you know, perceiving within myself. I don't think I've ever been like, 
the last three groups are on and I'm like, I have nothing left. I'm sorry. I'm checked out, <laughs> you right. know? Um, so I, I love being on those long hauls of like 15, 20 groups, but yeah, I could also see something rather being 10, you know, I don't know. Just that whole weekend is there's so many facilities. There's so many yeah. shows. There's so many schools. Like it's just real. I don't know. I just think that it's, it's almost unfair at times to allow a group to travel and spend that money when they are have, they're in box two in, in March or oh, they're one and like, done. I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah. Like I've taught a high school where we were one and done. And it was like, I, th- I honestly think a qualifying low end would be reasonable. Like you have to hit. Eight oh, you zero mean, you mean, out. Oh, you mean just how many groups go to Dayton period? Like not how many groups, not how many groups play Saturday. Yeah. I think Saturday, like I'm okay with like 12 to 15. I could go. Okay. With that. I think you guys, <laughs> I, was, can, I, I can, thought you meant Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I also, well, no, I think 12 to 15 is good. Um, <laughs> and you guys can totally handle like that volume. I'm more saying like for everyone, mm-hmm. if you had to qualify as any group, like with an eight Oh, just to come out, how it would affect honestly, everything in terms of like taking it from here to just like, okay, like, can we get five minutes to set up? You know, yeah. can we get, mm-hmm. cause the setup, like I, I just can't wrap my head around this. Like <laughs> oh, we're very educational and we're like student oriented, but that mm-hmm. it's like, Hey, you, you have a minute and a half to set up this hundred thousand dollars worth of electronics, but Bono and you too do sound check for an hour and a half. Like yeah. we've got to, mm-hmm. we've got to figure out like the, the direction that we've moved in and the velocity we've moved into it with the tech that we use. And we've got to, connect that with our operations because it's crazy the stress that we're going through to set up these like the sound and the speakers are too important to rush the setup like that that's been really and i know you were just in dci and i Mm -hmm. i've got to think like the electronics thing has become so important it's like one of the most important things we have to think about it's crazy it's it's, it's almost sometimes the only you know what i mean like yeah (laughs) especially if you're on the design side especially if you're the front ensemble arranger it's just like (laughs) You're not even thinking about how they played. You're just like, okay, is this sound going to trigger? Is this work? What's yep. the balance? You know, his main stage going to crash. Yeah, right. Um, and you know, uh, yeah, that's that's a hard that's a that's a hard thing. I, I don't know the, what the, part of me at the at the at certain levels of the activity. I will, you know, part of me is sometimes like, well, what if we just used less, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and made it. But the other side is too, like, you know, I'm just speaking as a human being here. It's like, yeah, there probably should be a, you know, a, a, a three minute longer setup time. Um, but then in the spirit of inclusion, who, who are we not allowing in? You know, it's, it's a tough nut to crack for sure. But yeah, the, definitely the tech, <laughs> the, we, we got to set our stuff up, right? Yes. Uh, I'm, yeah. And the inclusion, like I, I do understand every group should have their shot, but is it really inclusion when a group's coming in, anyone could flag that they're not going to move on past the first round and now they're spending over 10 grand to come out. I actually think it would be more respectful for like, Hey, save that money. Like let's get the budget in favor of teaching or us, you know, paying your techs and your designers and, and that kind of thing. So I know that's like probably a radical thing because, well, no, um, or, or, or it, you sorry, know. Not, not to interrupt, sorry, or just, or save that money and do con- concert percussion for a year. Huh? Do and there's zero that. expenses. There's zero expenses to that. Right. You save, five digits of your budget if you're just really focusing on the percussion ensemble thing for a semester and do it i'm not ad- necessarily advocating but you know as an instructor too it's kind of on the instructors too like do you want to go to w do you want to go to dayton to win or do you want to go 
maybe be one and out, but just be there and take it all in for two more days. Yeah. And is the, are you, so are you going in that spirit too? True. Where you're just going to, those kids are going to learn, you know, um, you have to, as an educator, you have to make that purpose clear to yourself. And I think you have to make that purpose clear to your students as well. I mean, obviously you don't go and say, we're going to tank <laughs> and we're going to plan on being one and done, but you can say like, listen, you know, this is going to be our first time out. If we're one and out, we're just going to enjoy it, take it in. And I want you, by the way, at the end to be able to t- sit down with me and tell me three things you learned, you know? Um, right. There's a, there's va- there's value in that. Is, is it five digits worth? That's on you to decide, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's again, tough not to crack. That's very, uh, that's very uh, educational and, and positive <laughs> of you. So I respect you for that. Cause I was, I've, I've, well, I've been scorned. on all sides of that. I've been on all yeah. sides of, sides of that. You know, I've, I've been Absolutely. one and done. I've been one and done. I was one and done in high school. You know, I remember we went, we were done, but that, but that was 2000. So if we weren't one and done, I might not have seen that. It was the mis- there's your mystique, mystique, the gladiator. Um, that was 2000. But, yeah. In Wisconsin. Actually, right? I think that's 2001. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I, yeah. One of those years. Um, I wouldn't, I might not have seen that show, you know, if yeah, I was too busy, so good. if I was, if I was too busy at a finals or something, right. You know? Right. Um, not we fair. were still packing up. And so I don't know. It, it depends what, what kind of experience you want from it. Yeah. I, I overall, my, my thing is just, I wish that we were more available. I wish that we had a bigger presence for students to uh, like, we had more outreach so that it wasn't just like, you have to be at finals or you never experience it. So I, yeah. I just, I, there's so, there's so many fish to fry and it's so multi-layered. It's just unfortunate. It's like, you know, yeah, 10 grand is a lot for that edu- You know, it's like bringing them to a conflict, really, really expensive academic conference, you know, and I, <laughs> I've only gone to Dayton as marching in an independent world group or designing, you know, mm-hmm. or teaching or whatever. So like, I, I totally don't understand how it would feel as like a high school director to make that decision. It, w- it would be tough. But at the same time, we come out for independent world every year. We don't know if we're going to make finals. We don't know what's going to happen. We've scraped by and it's like, you're putting, you are putting real lives on the line. I mean, people are changing their life to do this. Yeah. That's, that, so yep. it's, mm-hmm. that's, that's where I, you know, I guess my entry point would be is like, we better make finals. We better get <laughs> right. it. Well, and, that, and that goes to the independent, the scholastic experiences are different, right? I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know? Um, and they're just, the, the, the organizations almost have different purposes in a way. Yeah, I totally understand that. So I want to go back to something because I I mustn't leave this uh, without being spoken of. So you you march quads, which I think I knew that. Where did you march quads at Scouts? No. Um, so my in, in drum corps, I you know I got I got my first year of drum corps. I was think like, I was fifteen. Um, I don't recommend that for anyone. Um, Neither do I. But but it was at the Magic of Orlando actually in nineteen ninety nine. Nice. So 1997, 1998, as the Magic of Orlando. Um, then I took 99 and 2000 off, but I actually ended up teaching what was then a Division Three core, which is open class now. Um, so I was actually teaching before I aged out. <laughs> so I was the quad tech for the Tampa Bay Thunder. Um, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, so that's like my gotcha was my home base. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 2001 and 2002, I marched with Boston um those two years and then i aged out 2002 i took off 2003 after i aged out to work and you know go to college and do those things and then i basically taught i was the quad tech at boston from 2004 to 
it's, it's a little gray, but sort of 2007 <laughs> or eight. Cause around then there's also like, you know, you slide into the caption head role and, um, then eventually arrangers and all that. So I, my last time like doing quads full time was like 2007. You weren't writing in 07? A little bit. I was a caption head that year, not the arranger. That was, um, and then 08, 09, you were, you were writing a little. Yep. And 08 was sort of split between me and uh, Rich Viano, who was like, you know, practically during that time, especially was like practically a second dad to me. You know, he was running Boston all those years from 2001. No, yeah, 2001 to then. Um, but yeah, I was doing the battery stuff mostly in 2008 with him. And then nine and 10 was uh, me doing the battery book. Gotcha. Wow. I did not realize it was such a long, I didn't, I didn't know you were a Boston alumni. So that's super cool. And yeah, they like mm-hmm. to keep it in house. I mean, clearly I think Colin, <laughs> Colin has been sort of a similar story bringing him on yep. where they're like, you know, it's kind of a return to his like OG, um, you know, place. And, and I know the core has just a ton of history, but those, I think specifically seven, eight, nine are the three years of Boston that I was like, oh, I want to do that. Like that was like mm. a playing style where I was like, this is super different. Cause I had been into like, you know, the cadets and very like aggressive and athletic groups that were sort of like, um, more just, I guess for me, there's like that just drummy drumming. Like we we're playing a lot of paradiddles in a row. And I felt mm-hmm. like you all had this hybrid thing where it's like the chops and the impressive virtuosities there, but like that musicality of the writing and the, the touch and timbres, like the exploration, it was, it was super different. So was that like your influence? Like, where did that come from? Because for me, I don't know why six, seven, eight, or sorry, seven, eight, nine, or the three years that like pop up to me, but I think you guys were also really good at the time. So that mm-hmm. probably helped as well. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't sleep on the 06 line, man, that line, um, you know, the show had its difficulties and, you know, it, it had its design difficulties, but that battery, I think we were fifth. Well, this is back in the days of two judges on the field and on the, in the mm-hmm. box. Um, I think we were fifth on the field that year in, in finals or something. Nice. Um, that was a really good group. I, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give credit to to, to Rich for a, a lot of what you're talking about. Um, sure. Because he was there from 2001, and so there was just if you know Rich, he's just this like stout, like energetic Italian guy you know and um <laughs> it comes through in his music like he's it's just powerful and but you add to that that he's an incredible drum set player mm. um he was he was a professional drum set player at walt disney world for like 20 some you know just forever wow. um and so his he always put the pocket over or the feel over yeah. the virtuosity you know what uh-huh. i mean um even if it meant sometimes that sacrificing the drum caption a little bit like no this has to feel good and he ingrained that in me so that when I started taking over, um, it, it th- like that fear, that, that, that sense for the feel of things, you know, like thinking like a drum set player, um, still is in my writing to this day, even in my front ensemble writing. Like, it's not that I'm writing drum setty things for the front, but it's like thinking about it as if you're like a keyboard player in a band or a drum set player rather than an actual like marching percussionist running around on the field, you know? Um, mm-hmm. just to make sure the feel is right. And then once you get the feel right, then you can like fill it in with all of the virtuosity you need at whatever point you need it, you know? So I think that's yes. where that identity came from a little bit, you know? Um, and you know, I, 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 I think, I don't know. I, I, I had the blessing of inheriting a lot of just that powerful playing that rich 
wanted from the kids. Like he would, he would like get up there and scream, no, it's gotta be this. Like in a loving way, not screaming, like in a negative way. And then he, and the thing is he still had hands. Like he would go on and he would play on the guy's snare drum and like the drum would dip. That's how powerful he was yeah. playing. And the guy's like, Whoa, my gosh, you know? Um, so he, that, that legacy sort of carried over when, when I was like really, uh, you know, the, both the captain and the arranger, like in the, I think it might've been oh, 2009, 2010, eight, nine, somewhere around there. I can't remember the years exactly, but that right. definitely carried was, over. It's interesting. Cause there's like those qualities of power and like aggression and velocity. And it's also super tasty. Like, I think that too kind of stuck out to me, you know, kind of revisiting those videos recently was just like the sound quality and the tuning. I think it was all Pearl mm. stuff and just mm-hmm. like, uh, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if drum lines sound and play like that so much anymore. We're, we're in a different phase now. And I just, and also like, you know, I started marching drum corps in 05. I was 14 years old, which mm-hmm. again, I would not recommend to anybody. <laughs> um, so that was one of those early lines where it was like, that was the pro thing to me. Mm-hmm. So it was like, you know, cadet, I, I would say like the really early drum lines were like Vanguard 2004. I mean, yeah. That mm-hmm. stuff is just super special and it was like a special moment. Um, and then the early cadets lines, you know, like you said, late nineties cadets, early two thousands mm-hmm. cadets. And then what you all were doing. And I think what Paul was doing at, uh, Phantom 2006 and seven is just a really like, and then, I mean, you think about Mike McIntosh is at blue coats yep. kind of peaking with them. It was like, wow, it just, I don't know. I don't know if it just feel because I was a little kid and I was like, this is like a grail or if it was like a special moment, but like, I don't know. I feel like Boston is one of those groups where I'm just like, yeah, that was like, so inspiring. Was that like a, is that like a, a year you think back on or that, that time period or you're like, that was a great time period. Or you're just like, oh, I was just teaching. I was working. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, like every year is strife with, was rife with like the great days and the absolutely awful days. And you know yeah. what I mean? But <laughs> like on the whole, yeah, that Oh nine season was pretty special. It was a great group of people. And like, I, I, I can't over, I, I can't, you know, give, I can't speak well enough about that year without acknowledging like the student leadership that was in place, like sure. every section. And I really think this is key to the success of any group is like every section was led by the exact right leader that that section needed, <laughs> you know, the tenor, like Bickford, you mentioned Jeff, he was the center quad in 09. He was exactly what that quad line needed, yeah. you know? Um, and like every section just had the right leadership in place. So like a lot of the, what would have fallen on the text to clean or, or to, to at least ingrain in the students as far as culture was taken care of by the leadership. So then the, that frees you up unknowingly. You don't even know you're in the moment, in the heat of it, you don't know. But when I look back, it's like, we were, we, we progressed so much further and we got so much more done on any given day because we weren't, dealing with like a lack of a culture or a lack of leadership or a lack of whatever. Um, every day just felt really easy. You know, um, Oh six felt like that. You know, um, there was just a, a, a handful of years when, when I look back and you, you like, you'd like to think it's the writing or with something, you know, but I look back and said, no, it's kind of the kids, you know? <laughs> and it was kind of like every day felt easy, um, because the culture was there. Right. That, that definitely can't be understated. And I wish, you know, there's got to be more talk of that because any winning group, the group I was in that one, I mean, it was so internally driven and I, it's just up to the personalities you have. Yeah. It's almost like, I wish there was a little bit more like 
pro dev with, with that aspect, because if you don't have the right personalities in place, the teaching is, is shaped almost by that. It's almost like the opposite of what you think. You think the teaching is the thing that's driving the culture, but it's really the, the students and the personalities and what they're bringing to it. I think to a certain point, and I, you know, of course, this is just like the, the, uh, the end of history sort of postmodern subjective, you know, perspective I would have is like, I feel like I hit this point, you know, I aged out in 2012 outdoor and 13 indoor. I didn't march either, either of those years, but it feels like we, we're to a point where it's so self-reflective because of YouTube and because of technology that the people starting to get into this are for reasons that are not just for the love of what really is an ass beating to get great. I think if you're going to be in a top level DCI drum line, it is basically an ass beating. And that doesn't always mean like physically, it's like late nights drumming, um, having to work with people in a, when you're living on a bus, it is horrible. It is literally like being in a refugee camp. Like it is almost inhumane and you have to own that and almost embrace it. And I think because there's this little bit of like fame that, people are achieving through Instagram and through TikTok. And there's like this influencer component that has seeped into it because it's seeped into literally everything. Students do it because they want that, that lot vibe or whatever. And it's like, we're not doing the part where this, like what you're pointing out is like, you have to drum without the instructor there, basically as much as you drum with them there so that you can really know what's going on. Yeah. Um, you know, you, this is going to tie into one thing I maybe didn't address before you asked about the writing and the, the style of Boston. Yeah. Um, that's all a channeling of like, you mentioned Paul, like I was at North Texas from 2004 to 2006. Um, okay. Getting my master's degree. There you go. So yeah, I think what you're hearing is some of that, you know, I was drumming with those guys. Um, you know, I was, a, I was a grad student, but I sat in on the A-line rehearsals, you know, just to drum with Mike Hodges or a couple or Nick Worth or just some other really people. good. People. Yeah. And, and and it was a style I did not understand. I was an East Coast kid, you know, like magic. I was I know Florida is like kind of East Coast, kind of not. But um, I was taught by East Coast school people, you know. Yes. Um, and so to be in this other system, I was humbled and I had to understand it. Like, what is this touch that they play with and how are their taps so high, but yet so light? And yet, yeah. like, what, you know, and yep. um, I, so I learned a lot in those two years. Um, so there's that. And then there's like, I, I, like you mentioned Vanguard 04, like I've told Jim this before, but like the Vanguard 99, 98 lines, mm -hmm. I, I, I drove to Allentown from Florida to see them <laughs> rehearse, you know, to go, to go see the show. But yeah. I was like, the, I'm going to go see Allentown, but I'm also going um, 99, 2000, sorry. But I'm also going to go what I'm going to find out this is pre, uh, you know, Instagram, pre everything. Um, like, how do I figure out where the Vanguard is rehearsing and find them? It's like a 24 hour drive, by the way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's all day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nuts. Um, and I videoed it and then I would go home on the VHS and I would transcribe what they were doing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, not, not to, and to your point, like not to post me patting on that, <laughs> But to get my arranging better, you know, to understand that style, like, why does that, why does that Vanguard style affect me, you mm -hmm. know? And then you rewind years before that in 1996, I was a sophomore in high school, somebody, I don't know who, and I wish I can give credit to this person, handed me a, a cassette of the Cadets 93 finals lot. Mm -hmm. And 
without being able to see them, I would transcribe what that was. And all the transcriptions were wrong. Like I was, I was, I was a 14 year old kid. I didn't know what I was writing. Um, but I was developing my voice as an arranger before I knew I was developing my voice as an arranger, just out of curiosity, just out of like, I just, I got to do this. This is, this is, I, I feel this music in my bones and what makes it tick, you know? Um, that's an important part of it too. You know, it's mm. just that element of, um, you, you know, it's, it's drumming on a pad, it's analyzing, it's thinking about it. It's like, I never stopped thinking about, like I'd be sitting in class in high school and just thinking about what rhythm is that, that Tom wrote in 93, that bass drum rhythm. It's like, there's nine notes to two beats, but you can't have nine notes. There's no such thing as a nine lit. Oh, right. yes, there is, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and so there's, there's a bit of like, because there's no university of drum corps, there's a bit of like going to school on your own time, mm. you know? to figure mm-hmm. this out so that when you do get a gig you already have the discipline and the knowledge of the language to be able to deliver whatever it is you need to deliver either it's teaching or writing um and you're not figuring that out on the job as well you know um it was it, there was no stardom then right i mean um i remember roger being the center snare in the mid 90s at blue devils yep i remember <laughs> uh mm-hmm. you know there were just there weren't as many rock stars like you know i feel like every center snare is a rock star now, which is great. I'm, I'm so happy. Um, but you know, this is a group activity. Let's make sure it's all about the group. And, um, you know, we got to be sure that that element still stays. Like you said, it's a, it's like nine people, four people, five people, 15, whatever it is, all committing to one goal. You know, that we got to get that, make sure that that is part of the culture. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Cause you see just the, I, I guess it's it, uh, maybe an, a direct example is like, you know, I, I was, uh, I marched the Connecticut Hurricanes, which is a DCA mm-hmm. core I work with now, um, from Connecticut. That's where I'm from. And I started there in 14 because my, my, uh, or sorry, rather at, at the age of 14 in 2005, because my high school instructors were there. And I was like, I'm just like getting into drumming. I had some natural talent. I was a drum set player. They brought me up there and then I just got that bug of it. And, you know, I, I did what everyone else did, which was, trying out these groups like so i went to cadets in 2007 you know to mm-hmm. start like only two years in or whatever i went to blue coat 2008 i went to cadets actually for four years and i think a difference that i see that i i i feel like is very salvageable is a lot of kids that don't make the top groups are not marching and i wish that there was Nowadays, that yes yeah mm-hmm. because i would get cut from cadets, I would have no idea why. And then I went back and I served my drum corps. That's just a DCA corps. There's no glory in DCA, even the best ones. No one really knows about what's going on there, but that was like the team. And honestly, I just wanted to drum on a drum in a drum line and keep building my chops. And I just like enjoyed it just personally. I like to play in a drum line, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to describe, but a lot of kids now, like they come to crown and they're like, I want to march crown. We're like, well, you're not going to make it. So what are you going to do? They're like, absolutely nothing and they come back and it's sort of the same story so it's it's interesting because there's that the thing you're talking about is so unstructured it's Mm -hmm. it's not one way to do it like i would go on snare science you know i did a lot of transcribing but it was less of what you're describing more of like seeking out researching all right rhythm x 2008 i'm learning the whole book i love Mm -hmm. rhythm x i love tim's writing how do i like play this closure it's like okay i can't play this like actually coming against vocabulary or ideas that, like you said, the nine lit, you had to break through that wall of like this, what is this? It was almost like this like thing that you're excited about. 
And it's all so available now. Like Vic Firth produces these amazing learn the music videos. And like, I wonder what damage that's doing to the psyche of our activity. Like, I know that sounds extremely apocalyptic, but um, there's something about that that we don't have anymore because the kids can just go, oh, it's right there. The exact book provided by the arranger and the mystery is almost gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, on one hand, more kids making music is never a bad thing, right? Like so many more kids can drum now because they can find music online. Um, Great. Okay, but there's also an element of, and and you know, when I'm thinking when I when I channel the, my 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 classical percussion side, right, and yeah. what I do there, um, which is a huge part of my life, um, you know, I I look at from from that lens, I look at the marching side of things, and it's like, um, why are you what 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 do you what are you learning, <laughs> right, um. These, you know, if you're learning a snare ram or a keyboard lick or a permutation exercise, um, are you learning it to execute technique or are you learning to make music, right? And there's this individual, there's this, this like, drum corps is this in, very interesting balance of like individual musicianship and group effort yep, and group uniformity that you, like you're always tick-tocking back and forth between those two things. Like, how do you make sure that the end snare drummer is putting just as much energy and just as much confidence into her, his playing as the center, <laughs> right? How do you make sure that the end tenor or the end marimba is playing with just as much conviction as the four-year vet in the middle? You can only do that by propping up the individual, by, by promoting, by giving that performer who may be less confident the space and the individual agency to take a risk and to go for mm-hmm. something, right? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a hard thing to channel um, and to bring, and that's what I love about the the pad videos and everything else I see is like, oh, this is an individual like really going at it, right? But then there's the group side of it, like what I would call the chamber music side, like you know, I yeah, ticks are bad, but tick a tick is information. So unless you you can sit there mm-hmm. and you've you've thought through your music making enough that when you hear a, a left diddle, it's out. Why was it out? Was that me or was that someone seven down? If it was me, was I late or was I early? And you have to make all these decisions in a split second in a show and adjust, right? Or, or adjust at least for the next time. That kind of group think is really hard to build, <laughs> you know, and you can only do it by being around great teachers and being about great people for a very long time. Um, and that's what I loved about drum corps. And that's what I, I miss about being in a group like that, you know, and that's what I miss when I'm years, I'm not teaching or doing anything in drum corps. Like right now, um, that's what I miss about it is just being, is just having four hours to work on a bar and to talk about, especially the arranger. <laughs> why, why does that bar exist? Why does, why is the E of two a C sharp and not a B flat? Why, <laughs> you know, is the accent on the and of three here? Um, you know, and give the performer then the agency to go, okay, I'm going to go after this now because I have the confidence as a human being to take that risk. And I know I'm not going to be made fun of for taking that risk. You know, I love that mm. environment. I love that environment. Um, and it's, it's hard, you know, to, to, to balance that the individual agency versus like the group think that you need in a group in an activity like this. Yeah. Just listening to describe it. It's just absolutely uh, mind blowing. So how Omar has laid it out expertly for all of us today is to be good at drum corps. You both have to be solid as an individual and able to be a a robot in the group and just meld with the group. Like that Mm -hmm. is 
the essence of what we do. And it's so complex. It's super complex because it's like, that is just, I feel like that's just, uh, it's almost like a, a mixing board. Like that's how I feel like as a teacher where you let people get too hot and you're like, I got to turn you down, bro. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I got to turn this person up over here. Like I'm hearing too much of you. And I'm not even talking about their playing. I'm talking about like personality wise. Yeah. Cause we have great players. You know, I'm so lucky that I've been at, you know, crown and Mason now for, you know, I'm at year six with both of these groups and my, my blinders are so on, you know, I'm, I'm teaching these high level groups and I'm speaking from that, that place. And it's like, I've seen these groups where everyone is good. They're almost all better than I probably was when I was marching, but that imbalance that you will hear in the dirt at the end, all it does is reflect the imbalance of their personalities of what's going on on the bus behind the scenes when I'm not even there. And then it's like, dude, especially the end, because everything that you can possibly teach has been taught. So all that's left is the culture of the group, (laughs) right? Like you can tell the groups that just have the group think, or you can tell the groups that are like nine individual rock stars, but maybe don't have the group think, you know, right? Like you hear those ticks sound different. They hit different on the receiving end. Um, and, and going back like an hour, that's like the magic of a live performance and being in the judges seat, you can kind of hear those differences, you know? Um, yeah, it's tough. It's, I say it all the time when I teach, like, let's just take a snare line. If there's eight or nine of them or whatever, like I tell them all the time, like you need to have the, like, you need to think like your eight soloists, you just happen to be playing together. And what I mean by that is you have to be willing to make an adjustment on the fly. You can't just like be the one that's scared and just wants to blend into the mm. person next to you. Right. Yeah. If you do that, this, this pyramid of sound for every section is going to be like this. And then the ticks are just, they're never going to go away because you're going to be like a dog chasing his own tail. Like, I just don't want to mess up. So I'm just going to blend, but then you're not playing with the confidence that somebody else is. And mm. so that, that mistake is just going to show up somewhere else. Right. Versus let's all go after this the exact same way. And through time, through teaching and through hopefully teaching it the right way, give you the tools so that the eight of you think about that moment the same way. So that mm-hmm. hopefully if you're all going after it and doing your jobs, the tick won't happen in the first place. You know, it's, it's so it's, it's honestly the, the delicate balance of playing clean is, I think that's what is maybe draws like, you know, I, I'm not a um, orchestral person anymore. Like I did that through a certain point with high school, mm-hmm. but I think maybe why it, individuals who live in that world are drawn to drum corps is that machine cleanliness mm-hmm. nine people like a clean snare line that's like authentically clean you don't capture that sound anywhere and really the look of it and i know you came up in the era too where it's like the look of people when the hands are when you can't tell who is who mm-hmm. it's just this thing that the dopamine of that because where else can you get that like sound where it's like, mm-hmm. this sounds like one person, but like a, a giant. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not one person. <laughs> it's, it's loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, it's a and special, it's a special result of just this medium. Mm-hmm. And like that almost doesn't happen uh, unless you have those eight or nine or five people or five rooms or whatever it is. Like they understand their jobs. They're all thinking about it the same way, but they all also have an equal level of commitment to it and they're not scared that's what i've always i'm always trying to get out because i came up like i i've had i've i think we've all had experiences where like 
okay, how many more push-ups do I need to do today for every left hand I tick? Right. This yeah. is in the nineties, you know, like I've had some tough instructors, um, where it was like physical punishment, not being mm-hmm. hit, but you know, like running and push-ups oh, yes. and those kinds of things. Like I remember as a member being in those spaces and like, I didn't, I, I was just playing to not do that again, to not have mm-hmm. to do that. And there are some, you know, and I, I, I'm sure over history, there are probably some great lines that have come from that kind of a system, but that puts all the onus every single year on the instructors, right? You have to, mm. you have to, you have to like, whip it out use, of them. Yeah. In a way, like, you know, you have to like push every, you have to push every year to get your students to achieve, um, through fear. But if you have a culture where the individual feels empowered to make a decision and to like live up to the commitment that they is expected of them, um, that carries over year to year and your job Mm -hmm. gets easier year after year, you know, and those are the, those are the years, um, that end up being special two or three years down the road. Maybe not, maybe you don't win drums that year, but maybe three years down the road you do, you know, right. Um, funny story. You go back, you mentioned Boston 08. Were we still 128 then? Like the, 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 the member cap? I can't remember. Oh, it's definitely 150? smaller. Yes. It, yeah, no, so it was definitely smaller at that time. For sure. Whatever the number was, it was 128. We were like 110 rookies. Just the way that year turned oh my out. God. It was just yeah. like an insane amount of rookies. The front ensemble got rookie of the year. <laughs> because <laughs> they were all rookies. They were all rookies. Um, and that is the year that taught me about culture because it, it disappeared. Everything that existed about, and think yeah. about when, 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 a, when someone makes Carolina crown and they come in, they're stepping into a legacy. They're stepping into a legacy that you've created, that Tom Hannum's created, that Travis has created, um, through your time there. And they understand, even before they get there, they understand the expectation and what they're going to get in a way, in a way. Right. Um, they understand, they understand what they've seen at least. Yeah. Yep. And then 100%. they, and then once they get there, they learn about the culture of the nuts and bolts, the magic behind yeah. the curtain. Totally. Um, what happens when all that nuts and bolts is not there anymore? That happened in 2008. Like literally the first camp, no one knew how to unpack the truck. <laughs> and Whoa. I remember being like, oh, wow, that's right. How much do we take for granted as instructors with vets and leadership? Yeah. You know, um, and a lot of credit to that group. That's still one of the favorite groups I've ever had been in front of just because they had no, they had no, uh, perception of a ceiling. Hmm. You know what I mean? They were yep. like, they didn't know how good they were. They didn't know how good they could get. And they, they came the farthest of most of the groups I've ever taught and, and, and joyfully, <laughs> you know? Um, so culture, culture wins in a lot of ways, man. You know? Um, yeah. I don't know if that's exactly what we were talking about, but it, somehow we got to that point. Um, that it's a winding it's, road that we're yeah. on here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I love right. that. I mean, I think you, I think you nailed it. And like, it's, it's been interesting. I think we're a little bit like from my, from my perspective with crown, we're, we're in our second, you know, w- since I've been there, I've been there since 17 and, you know, I was in front of them. Like I was kind of the battery guy, 17, 18, 19. And then obviously since then has been 2021 20, now 22, we're in this new phase with the COVID kind of yeah. segmenting it off. And it's interesting having the kids come in and certain things they understand better than ever. The way that we look and like the visual aesthetic stylistic expectation, that's like way better than ever. 
but chops wise, and this is something I was sort of like, we were, we were after hours at crown and I kind of went on a tirade about how like DCI literally doesn't have students that have marched multiple years of DCI in it anywhere. Like mm-hmm. we are in a brand new generation of students. We have in our drum line at crown. I think we have zero people that have done a full tour. So yeah. there's like the before and the after. And I just want to like impress on them and impress on like myself, like, we are dealing with a situation where like no one has the chops of the full experience and we need to get on ourselves so that we don't let this art form kind of dip at all Um, Mm -hmm. because it kind of is, I mean, it's just inevitable that we're dealing with what's going on. I think that it can't be understated that having years on the road, like your hands, it's just, there's nothing that's going to replace that except time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even to, to, uh, and, it's interesting. I guess everyone's going through their own little Boston 08 now, right? <laughs> this thing, yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. Everyone's a pseudo rookie. Um, but even I think back to my, my, when I first got to Boston, you know, I, M- Magic of Orlando was like a baby drum corps. Like it had always started in 1991. Yeah. And so there was culture, but it was like a Florida thing. Like there wasn't, like everyone there was like really about our Florida thing, you know. Boston, you know, had a Florida Boston connection for a number of years. So in 2000, in 2000, that really, or 99, when they first made finals, like that really started coming to the fore. Um, but I would, I remember, I, I, I would never forget my first camp at Boston. I met a half a dozen or more 10 year vets. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those days are gone, man. You know? Yeah. Um, yep. you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, the national touring model is, you know, you, you probably can't do more than three years just physically, <laughs> you know, financially, um, financially, the money aspect, the travel aspect. Um, but you know, we the the, the old, I'm I'm so happy for how artistic drum corps or the marching arts in general has gotten and where we are in terms of like what we can achieve and how innovative we are. Um, but like, I, I hope we never forget and never lose sense of that this is still a neighborhood activity at its roots. This is still churches and Boy Scout troops, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like there there's a, there's an element of like this is my core that I, you know, I would, I would hate to see go away because of the national touring model. And and like, I'm going to fly from Florida to Colorado or whatever to march somewhere. You, you should get a feel of it at a lot of different places, but I'm so happy that like I stuck in Florida for all my drunk work experiences. Boston was in Florida for, for those that, you know, don't mm-hmm. have that history. Boston was in Florida for a little bit split camps. Um, you know, I, I, I got a sense of the Florida. There are still friends that live in Florida from both cores that I still see all the time. Um, that's an important part of it too. Like Carolina crown is the the core of the Carolinas, <laughs> you know, yeah. like North and South. Um, I hope that Carolina part never lo- leaves the title of the name, you know, in a way. Yeah. I think, you know, to, to sum, sum it up, it's like, Listen, there are 12, I believe, right, of the finalist cores for DCI, right? It's 12 now? Yeah. Um, if you don't get one of those 12 cores, everyone, march somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Nothing's going to replace, mm-hmm. nothing's going to replace being a member of a drum corps. Like all this stuff we're talking about will not be achieved by sitting there on a pad alone while there's open class groups and lower tier DCI groups with vacancies. So please, everyone, when you, if you don't make your top group, don't not march because you have to learn how to be in a drum corps before you can be in the best drum corps. It's all about learning how to operate as a member. Cause like everything we're talking about is literally like 
how can your personality meld to the space so that everyone can work together? Like you've got to figure out if drum corps is for you in your ability to become this person who can brace all that comes with it, all the ambiguity and the, and the difficulties. And when that happens, like you're talking about with um, some of these like standout Boston years, like Oh nine, it pops off. It's like a special year, but those people like Jeff March spirit of Newark in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> and then he taught at seventh regiment. Like yeah. afterwards, he was not afraid to give back nope. to his roots. You know what I mean? And, you know, same, like I taught the heat wave senior core, uh, when I was 19, I wasn't even aged out yet. And then the Tampa Bay thunder, you know, like, um, give it's, it's as much getting experience as it is giving back to your community, whatever, however you define that. Right. Yep. When, when you march and when you teach, um, that those are all important things. And I'll say the, the you know, if it, this, this, this is going to sound like a shocking statement at first, but I'll explain like, if the marching arts disappeared tomorrow, I'd be fine. What I mean by that is I would have a job. I can put food on the table. I teach music, right? The reason I'm in it all the time is for all the reasons I've mentioned already, how much I love it. But like in my age out year, I was, I, I received the Jim Ott scholarship from, uh, you know, the one where they bring you out on, they still give it, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, yep. and it was like, I desperately needed that money that, that year, uh, for college and I got it. And I remember getting it and I would say, okay, I'm going to give back to this activity as long as it'll have me because of this, because of this little, it wasn't even little, it was a pretty substantial scholarship. Um, and because it's given me a lot, it's given me purpose. Um, so that, you know, what was that in 2002? So, oh my God, 20 years later, you know, that, you know, Still I, don't quite, I don't quite have the history that Tom Monks does, but, um, but 20 years later, you know, here I am uh, giving back because it's, I think it's, I believe in, I believe in the community and I believe it's important despite all the trials and tribulations and everything that happens on any given year um, on the field or otherwise, like um, kids making music is so important, you know? And, and for me, I wouldn't be actually, I wouldn't be a professor at Furman right now. I wouldn't be having my, having my own percussion studio if I didn't do drum corps because drum course when I was 15 is who taught me who Bartok was and Shostakovich and who turned me on to artists that who told me to me who Pat Metheny was. And they're like, Oh, uh, Crossman 98 played first circle. I like yeah. that. Let me you know what tune is that? And then I like, I've seen Pat Metheny live like half a dozen times now, you know? Um, and it's what gave me the passion to pursue music further. If I hadn't had that, I, I would not be talking to you right now for sure. Um, and I probably wouldn't be in music, you know? Um, so it's, it's real important that you stay in the community and that you try to make it better and that you try to make it better in whatever way you see fit. With that, I think we can wrap, man. That's just solid. This is super fun just to get to kind of talk shop without having to worry about, uh, you know, uh, time critique. So <laughs> I, I, I know. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I, you know, I feel like I, I'm taking something away and I'm, I'm certainly invigorated by your, your passion. I just want to say like, from, from my perspective, I appreciate what you do. I always love when I see your name on a panel. I'm like, yes, thank God Omar is judging. We're going to get a really honest and real read. So I can tell you from, from, from me that we all are big fans of you. And um, I hope to see you judging for both longer in WGI and maybe in some other circuits uh, too one day. But uh, dude, thanks for getting out here with me today. No problem. Thank you, Dan. Really good conversation. Awesome. See you guys later next time. Bye.